Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 26th March 2021. I'm Ian Haydock. This time for you we have a setback in Huntingdon's, big R&D investment at Boehringer, a Pfizer divestment in China, Lilly's Biomedicines plans and the pandemic's impact on launches and promotion. Roche has abandoned its phase 3 trial studying Tominersen in Huntington's disease, ending hopes the antisense oligonucleotide could offer a game-changing therapy for the debilitating condition for which there is no effective treatment. Termination of the pivotal Generation HD1 trial, announced on 22nd March, was the result of a pre-planned review of the phase 3 studies data by an unblinded independent data monitoring committee. Roche did not say what exactly led it to end the trial, other than that it was driven by the investigational drug's potential benefit-risk profile for study participants. No new or emerging safety signals were identified for Tommy Nursen in the review of the data from the study, Roche said. That suggests insufficient efficacy lay behind the move, analysts said. Steen Staval writes that dosing in the GenExtend open-label extension HD trial was also paused as the company works out what to do next. A Phase 1 PK-PD study, dubbed GenPeak, which is assessing the pharmacokinetics of Tominersen, and the observational Roche HD natural history study will both continue, however, the company said. Tominersen, which is partnered with Ionis, is designed to reduce the production of the Huntingdon protein in the inherited brain disorder, which results in the progressive loss of mental faculties and physical control. We should not assume the drug is completely dead, Bernstein analyst said in a note, but we would not have high hopes moving forward. But even if there is a path forward, such as to treat earlier, in subpopulations, use of direct administration, the journey will now be a much longer one, they said. Roche is also pursuing a potential treatment in Huntington's disease via its Spark Therapeutics gene therapy unit that it bought in 2019. Boehringer Ingelheim has been touting a pipeline which is being backed by a 3.7 billion euro R&D spend in 2020, 7% up on the previous year and the highest investment in the 136-year history of the German family-owned company. The R&D spend for BI's human pharma business amounted to 3.28 billion euros, almost 23% of net sales. Speaking at the firm's annual press conference on 24th March, Chairman Hubertus von Bambach noted that in 2020, more than 150 collaborations in R&D were running, including 43 clinical stage projects. He said that the goal was for 75% of projects in pharma to have first-in-class potential, and focused on the firm's efforts on cancers driven by the KRAS protein, noting that to this day there are no approved drugs that can switch off KRAS. BI's prospects in oncology have also been bolstered by the acquisition at the end of 2020 of NBE Therapeutics. The company paid 1.18 billion euros to acquire the Swiss biotech in a deal that centres around NBE002, which is an anti-ROR1 antibody drug conjugate that is in phase 1-2 for triple negative breast cancer and other solid tumours. As for the immunology pipeline, the interleukin-36 inhibitor Spesolimab is the most advanced investigational compound, now in phase 2 for a variety of indications including Crohn's disease. 
Von Baumbach noted that BI spent about 40 to 50 million euros on its COVID-19 projects in 2020, though this figure will rise as BI 767551, the first SARS-CoV-2 neutralising antibody administered via inhalation, progresses through the clinic. If everything goes right, there's a possibility to apply for an emergency approval towards the end of this year, he said. The firm's pharma sales were at 5.8% adjusted for currency to 14.42 billion euros, driven again by the Lilly partner diabetes blockbuster Jardiance. Pfizer has announced it has agreed to divest its biologics manufacturing site in the eastern Chinese city of Hangzhou to Wuxi Biologics, a contract manufacturing and development organisation. Pfizer has established four manufacturing facilities in China and the Hangzhou site is particularly significant as it acts as the firm's first global biotechnology centre in Asia. Clinical study data compiled by Informa's Sightline and Pharma Projects show that the US firm has two anti-cancer biosimilar trials ongoing in China, both for its version of Bevacizumab, a biosimilar to Roche's Avastin. Pfizer spokesperson told Scripps Brian Yang that the divestment move was not easy. After a comprehensive review of the biosimilars market and the company's global manufacturing network, Pfizer has made a difficult decision to halt its biosimilars programs in China and to sell 100% of its equity interest in Pfizer Biologics Hangzhou Limited, the company said. Pfizer stressed it remains committed to China and will continue to realise its purpose, which it sees as breakthroughs that change patients' lives. One source familiar with the matter told Scripp that the US firm had been looking for some time to sell the manufacturing site. Recent regulatory changes in China have also posed a new challenge to the biosimilar manufacturing sector. But the decisive factor that led to Pfizer's move to sell the site appears to be the wider, changing biosimilars market landscape in China. Original local biosimilar developers such as Innovents Biologics and Shanghai Henlius are now turning to innovative new drugs and leaping into the fray of immuno-oncology with anti-PD-1 and PD-L1 antibodies. Lilly Biomedicine's president, Ilya Yuffa, is responsible for a portfolio of commercial products experiencing high sales growth rates, but with the exception of TALTS, the company's immunology, pain and neuroscience therapies are growing from a smaller base than the blockbuster drugs in its established diabetes and burgeoning oncology portfolios. Scripps Mandy Jackson spoke with Yuffa about Lilly's plans for its biomedicines portfolio to offset competition and reimbursement constraints for TALTS, Olimiant, Emgality and Revo, which are being marketed in therapeutic areas and drug classes where competitive and pricing pressures are high and rising. An important key to commercial success is having more than one treatment option to offer rheumatologists, dermatologists, neurologists and primary care doctors. And Lilly plans to add multiple new indications for approved therapies as well as new drugs to its commercial team's sales bags over the next few years. New products and indications that fall under the Lilly Biomedicines banner include the company's treatments for COVID-19, three of which have been granted emergency use authorization in the US. One of these, Bamlinivimab, developed in partnership with Abcellera, was authorised in November. Between sales growth and R&D progress within the Lilly Biomedicines portfolio and the initial EUAs for COVID-19 therapies, Yuffa said it was a pretty remarkable year in 2020 and I think we've got quite a bit to work on as we move forward. 
I believe immunology is one of those areas that truly will play an increased importance for Lilly moving forward, Lilly USA President Patrick Johnson said on 9th March during the Barclays Global Healthcare Conference. Yuffa noted that atopic dermatitis in particular offers a lot of potential for oleomiant sales growth, since about 18 million people in the US alone suffer from the disease. And since many patients are still untreated, there's lots of room to develop the atopic dermatitis market, he said. Finally, drug makers quickly pivoted to virtual and hybrid drug launches in 2020 as physicians recalibrated how they operate amid the COVID-19 pandemic and as sales reps and patients largely kept away from doctors' offices. Preliminary data from IQVIA suggests COVID-19 significantly impacted the trajectories of the drugs that launched last year and many of the headwinds are expected to continue throughout 2021 as well. Launches in 2021, unfortunately from a launch environment perspective, face a pretty tough environment because many of the factors that caused 2020 to be super tough for some launches continue into 2021. IQVIA's Sarah Rickwood, who's VP of European Marketing and Thought Leadership, said in an interview with Scripps' Jessica Merrill as part of the Pandemic Perspectives series. Pharmaceutical companies will have to learn to adapt their launch plans to address those challenges as they did in 2020, but probably in a more fundamental and strategic way this time, she added. In 2020, US launches were among the weakest since at least 2015, ranking closely only with 2018, according to IQVIA. It cautioned that the data are early and only include drugs that launched in the first six months of 2020. The full outlook will continue to be monitored. In four of the five major European countries, 2020 was either the worst year for launch sales uptake in the first six months since 2015, or the second worst. The impact on new drug launches isn't surprising given that many patients skipped doctor visits and drug companies curbed face-to-face visits by their sales reps. Missed doctor visits correlate with missed prescriptions, especially when it comes to new prescriptions or switches to new drugs. IQVIA forecasts that 111 million US prescriptions, or 3.8% of total US prescriptions, will be lost through the first half of 2021 due to missed diagnosis visits. Their data suggests there were over 1 billion diagnosis visits that didn't happen in the US in 2020, with oncology, gastroenterology and dermatology being the most heavily impacted. That's all for this week. Thanks as always for listening. And just a reminder that all these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast. And also be sure to visit the Script and Pink Sheet sites for very much more content spanning topics across the global industry. Bye for now.